Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. I didn't think anything really needed to be said after Virginia's 37-7 loss to Pitt yesterday that started with two pick sixes, something that we've never seen before. I know I'd never seen it before. Uh, I talked with uh, ESPN announcer at halftime up in the press box, and he said their folks had combed the records and had never found any evidence that anything like that had ever happened before in a college or NFL game. So we'll go with that. That doesn't mean it, it hasn't happened before, but if it has, it's, it's something that uh, we don't have records of. So, you know, I've been, I've been on the uh, Tony Elliott criticism train. I, I'm, I'm the conductor of it, I guess you could say, and I'm not proud of that, but the, um, you know, I'm, no one else in the Virginia media seems willing to call him out. And I've been doing so, gosh, probably since the Illinois game. I mean, honestly, that that dropped Virginia to one and one, but you could already see the the issues then. And um uh and now at three and seven, and uh with what happened yesterday, uh, you know, I think more are unfortunately coming to the to the same side I've been for a while. And so I'm I'm not one to pile on. Uh I think I kind of made my point. And, and, you know, the hard part of this among the things is Tony Elliott seems like a super nice guy. Uh, just that I've never been able to talk with him one-on-one um, even, even in a, like a interview setting, much less in a personal setting, but just what I've seen of him. Uh, he seems like a real stand-up guy. Uh, he values academics. I don't think that's just talk. Um, I think he sincerely wants to, you know, obviously succeed because this that, that gives him an opportunity to succeed in his career and maybe set himself up for bigger things down the line. Um, but uh, this first season is not uh, indicative of someone who's going to be successful uh, as a head football coach. Great offensive coordinator, great play caller at Clemson, but everything uh, about his job at Virginia has gone wrong, uh, except for one thing. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, he was hired last December. First mistake he made was he uh, didn't offer the offensive coordinator job to Jason Beck, the guy who was the quarterback's coach on the previous staff, Bronco Mendenhall staff, uh, would have stayed for the job and wasn't even given a, a chance at the job. That was the first mistake. Uh, second mistake was failing to re-recruit the four offensive linemen who are now making Michigan, Southern Cal, SMU, and Central Florida better uh, programs this year. Um his recruiting is not good. Uh, the prep recruiting for next year's recruiting class next year, I should say next month, uh, 13th in the ACC out of 14 teams. Um, the recruits he's actually getting, it's not that he doesn't have a lot of recruits. He doesn't have a lot of recruits, but he also, the ones he's getting are, we're competing with the likes of the Mac and the Sunbelt and FCS schools. Um, when you're getting kids whose best offers are those schools, nothing against those kids, nothing against those programs. But Virginia is an ACC Power 5 program, and when you're competing with the group of fives and FCS for your players, that's where you're setting your level of play. Unless you can coach them up, as Mike London used to say, and I hate having to quote Mike London, but I always hated when he said that in that way. And unfortunately for Elliott and his staff, they've just not proven uh, the ability to coach them up. Um, the, the, the arrogant thing for a guy who seems otherwise quite humble, focused on academics <laughs> – focus on all the right things. It was arrogant on his part and is arrogant on his part to continue that he was handed a program that did not need to be rebuilt from the bottom up. That was what Bronco Mendenhall was given. When he inherited the program from Mike London, he was given a two and 10 team. That was as good as it was going to be. There was no transfer portal in 2016. You couldn't just go and pick guys off the, off the, 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 the waiver wire. And, um, make them into good players uh, for your program, you know, good juniors and seniors from other schools who weren't getting playing time and maybe plug them in and and, and get a couple wins you wouldn't have otherwise gotten. You you had to do with what you had. And he had nothing from, from inherited from, from Mike London, Mike London's record should reflect his, his one loss record as a coach should reflect the two and 10 season. He laid on Bronco Mendenhall. Elliot didn't need to do that. Elliot was given the keys to a program that, yes, the last two seasons was a 500 program, but two, uh, two plus years ago uh, was in the Orange Bowl, had won nine games in a regular season, played in the ACC championship game against Elliot's Clemson Tigers. Uh, he just needed to build on what Mendenhall left him. And again, Mendenhall didn't leave him a nine or 10 win program, but he left him the foundation for something. All he had to do was fix the defense. And I would say he being Elliot, all he had to do was fix the defense. Mendenhall was, was 
reportedly, I think this is fair to say now, I don't think I can need, even need to say reportedly, but I'll still will say it. He was reportedly pushed out or he felt the pressure to leave because uh, he was uh, told to to change uh, his defensive coordinator that he'd brought with him from BYU. In fact, he had co-defensive coordinators and he couldn't do that. And so he he stepped aside. That's been told to a lot of people and it's been told to me personally by someone who would know. Um, so I, 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 I go with that. The people, the person who, especially who told me who would know, would know. Um, and so the defensive side of the ball, Elliot, which is not the side of the ball he came from as an assistant coach. He was an assistant coach at lots at a few schools. And then at Clemson, he was the offensive coordinator play caller defensive side of the ball. The other side of the ball that he, he never coached on is the one area he got right. And it's because he, he basically stole John Rudzinski from air force air force, with Rosinski as a defensive coordinator had nationally ranked defenses year after year, last several years, this is an air force. And again, no offense to air force, but they don't have the kind of talent that you get in the power five or the, you know, sec or ACC or big 10. And he still put together defenses that competed against a lot of those schools and did very well for, for years. And he's done the same at Virginia. He, he's basically taken last year's Virginia defense, almost entirely the same guys. I mean, they're, you know, Chico Bennett uh, was was injured last year, didn't get to play. He transferred from Georgia Tech before last season, didn't get to play because of an injury. Um, he's, he's a different guy. Cam Butler is a different guy. He came in from Miami of Ohio, grad transfer. Um, Paula Keery's gotten some limited action. He was He's a grad transfer. But none of the – I mean, none of these guys themselves, where they transferred from, were the star players where they were. And and plug those guys in with last year's defense and this year's defense is not nationally ranked, you know, like like you would mean when you say that top top defense in the country, but it's much improved from last year. The defense is the defense has done what it needed to do. Um, and if you would have told people that the the defense was playing the way it has played this year, um. And, and giving them the numbers. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I could look them up easily, but you know, the point being they've, they've put the numbers up. They've put the efforts up uh, to do what, if, if you put that with last year's offense, and I know Tony Elliott doesn't like hearing about last year, but whatever it, it's, it's, it's reality. You, you put it with anything resembling last year's offense. And this team came into the season with expectations of maybe being able to go with a week schedule on eight and four season. Um. And it's it's obviously three and seven. It's going it's going towards. It feels like three and nine. Coastal Carolina is a good Sun Belt team. They're they're yes they're a, they're a Group of Five team. But you know that we've seen some Group of Five, several Group of Five upsets this year against much better teams in Virginia. Um, I haven't seen any numbers yet. It's Sunday when I'm recording this. I don't think Vegas comes out with numbers until Sunday night or Monday. It won't surprise me if Coastal is favored even on the road at Virginia. You know, a Sun Belt team at an ACC team. It would surprise me, in fact, if Virginia wasn't an underdog at home in this game. Um, and then on the road at Virginia Tech, you know, I know Tech has lost seven straight itself. It's struggling through a first-year coach in Brent Pry, but it's Virginia Tech, Virginia. Virginia Tech has won that game for many, many years. Um, and their kids will go into the game expecting to win, and the Virginia kids will go in expecting to lose. That's what happens. Um, but this year was not supposed to be this way. It was It was supposed to be, hey, if you don't even play good football, you're seven and five. Um, and then what that would do is – it would it would give a boost to recruiting. The recruits would say, "Hey, man, look at this." They, you know, they, I, I'm, I was thinking eight and four was realistic again with the schedule. Um, if the defense improves and offense th- looks anything like it did last year, eighty percent of what it was last year, and you're eight and four. So you you do that. We knew year two was going to was going to struggle um, because Brennan Armstrong has a year of eligibility left, but likely would not use it if he had anything close to what he had last year in 2022. Um, Dontavian Wicks uh, was all first team all ACC last year. If he puts up similar numbers, he's probably testing the NFL draft waters. We know Keaton Thompson's gone. He has thoroughly exhausted his eligibility. Sixth year guy. He's got so many degrees. <laughs> he could probably start his own uh, uh, graduate school and, and, and teach it all himself. Um, so we knew year two was going to struggle, but if year one was good, that would boost recruiting. Um it might even help lure some guys off the transfer portal uh, to to get you to squeeze out a 500 year next year. And then year three, you kind of build off that, you know, hey, this is a program. Look at what we did when we had some players. Let's get some players in here. Year four was was when you're thinking this would this team would really win because year three, 2024, Virginia's moving into the new football ops center. 
Um, that itself is going to help recruiting big time. Um, you know, you, you build some excitement going into year four in 2025. You know, you, you, that's that was the plan. That was the plan all along. Build off of what Bronco left, which was the last two years of 500 program. He's got talent. He had talent in the program. And then build off that for one year. Use that one year to get recruits in. And those recruits the first couple of years, when they get to be juniors and seniors in years four and five of Tony Elliott, that's when you start winning some games under Tony Elliott, the way he wants to win. Instead, he decided, you know what, instead of doing my rebuild next year, year two, I want to do it now. And that's an interesting choice because, I mean, I'm hearing this from assistant coaches on the staff that there's already a recognition on the staff that he basically moved his timeline up a year because now I laid out the rosy scenario there. You know, year one, good year, year two falls back a bit, year three, maybe you build a little bit, year four is when you're starting to think ahead. That's what, that's the best case scenario. Everybody's looking at best case scenario when you hire a new coach and you let that coach build a program and, and, you know, incrementally get better every year. When you decide to start from scratch, when you didn't need to, and you, instead of going seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, if you really stretch things out there, I mean, we, Carolina's the coastal champ, Virginia with this year's team playing poorly was a play away from beating North Carolina. So, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's stranger things have happened, right? If, if you, if this team had just played a little better uh, consistently throughout the season, he decided let's, let's tear it all down. I'm going to, you know, Bronco Mendenhall left me not just a foundation of a building. He left me, he left me some, some good things there. He left me, I could have just moved in. I didn't need to, I didn't need to raise the building. You know, if, if you're going to use a car analogy, he, he handed, he was handed the keys, not quite to a Mercedes, but he was handed the keys to a pretty nice new car. And he decided to take the, take the engine out, uh, strip it down, sell it for parts, put a whole new parts in. You do that. You bet, you know, you better start doing some things outside of wins and losses that show. He's not, he's not done that. 13th uh, ranked recruiting in the ACC out of 14 schools. There are a number of group of five schools that are ahead of Virginia in the national rankings in recruiting. So um, if you're tearing it down completely and starting from scratch from day one, then you better at least get some players in there that you can build around so that by year four, you can say this guy that I recruited and came in in 2023 is ready to play in 2025 and 2026. What we've got right now, when you look ahead to their junior years in 2025 for, for these kids, we got a bunch of kids that we beat Mac and FCS schools out for to play as juniors in 2025. This isn't going to improve upon what Bronco Mendenhall left Tony Elliott. This, is, this isn't going to improve upon what Michael London did before Bronco Mendenhall had to rebuild from his failures. So I say this to say, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've been critical of Tony Elliott from early on. And, and, you know, not, I didn't say after the Illinois loss, fire the guy. I couldn't believe, I would not have believed after that loss, you know, second week of September, that the offense would still be sputtering the way it is. That, Des Kitchings, the offensive coordinator, and Tony Elliott, who was offensive coordinator at Clemson, play caller at Clemson, would not have figured out tweaks to fig, you know, to 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 get the offense moving. I mean, I know the offensive line; they they can't fix that. They didn't re-recruit those offensive linemen once once those kids left, and it was two. The first group left two weeks after Elliott uh, was named head coach. They were still there. He says they weren't. They were still there. You know, truth, truth. And then the, the last one, Ryan Sabota left a, over a month after Tony Elliott got the job. You can't fix that though. That's 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 gone. So if you if you don't have guys who can consistently block for you to you know have a drop back passing game, time, a timing passing game, why don't we change that? <laughs> why don't we why don't we go back to what these guys knew well? And also that you know you you have a quarterback who's mobile and Brennan Armstrong let him create a little bit with his feet because he's certainly not going to be able to stand back there in the backfield you saw it yesterday eight sacks um pitch a couple of those sacks were were blitz sacks the bulk of them were four man rush sacks um and and it's not even that you know 
three or four of them were Brennan holding on the ball too long because they max protected and we had three guys in a pattern. It means you got seven guys blocking. And if three guys are covered, uh, you know, what do you do? Force the ball in. He'd already thrown two pick sixes. You, if Once you throw one pick six, you're going to be a little reticent after the second one. You're really going to be. Um, but uh there were way too many times where Brennan would would get the shotgun snap and there'd be a guy under his chin as the ball was in the air, it felt like, right? So that's that's just poor blocking. And, you know, to 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 force a, a mobile quarterback with a strong arm to stand back in the pocket um when he's going to be throwing into the face of a rush all the time because of of an awful offensive line and they they didn't they didn't recruit offensive linemen in the portal to to make up for the problems that they had when they didn't re-recruit the offensive linemen they lost that's that's hoping to do something different um hope, hoping to have different results out of doing the same thing over and over that's the definition of, of insanity as we know classically right so i mean i pointed that out after the illinois game and i, I i'll say again i can't believe that nine weeks later there's been a bye week I can't believe nine weeks later that the offense, the receivers are still running wrong patterns, that Armstrong is still having trouble uh, connecting on these t- all these timing passes. I still can't believe they're running the same offense, to be honest with you. That once you see it's not working, let's let's figure something else out. Let's go back to the drawing board. And you know we want to institute a culture. Uh, Elliot keeps talking every goddamn week about he wants to institute a culture. You know, uh, win games. You're you're here to win games. You know, you're not here to and you're here to win games now. You're not here to win games in five years. You're here to win games in five years also, but not wait five years to do it, especially with the poor recruiting and the poor coaching you've your your staff is is doing. But they they never changed. They never changed. And it's just it's unfathomable to me. And I, I could not have imagined I sat in this very chair and watched that Illinois game. Um I could not have imagined that they'd still be playing this way. So um, so I gave you the rosy scenario that, Hey, go waiting for first year, sneak out a six and six year in year two, you know, six and six or seven and five in year three and year four, you're going to start winning some games with your guys. Here's reality check three and nine this year. I mean, yeah, you, you they, they could win either of the next two games. We've been saying that for weeks. They haven't won for a while, but they, 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 they could win either of the next two games. They're likely to win neither of the next two games. Three and nine or four and eight. Let's give them that. I mean, even five and seven. If they if they win the last two, it's, it maybe feels a little different. But still, this year should not have been five and seven, much less what it is right now. But let's three and three and nine or four and eight this year doesn't or five and seven even this year. Next year gonna be ugly, y'all. I'm just telling you, um, because the starting quarterback for the 2023 Virginia team is not on the roster. Right now, he is playing quarterback or holding a clipboard somewhere else right now. Virginia is where Virginia, Virginia next year is where Virginia Tech is this year. Virginia Tech this year, Justin Fuente. Now, unlike Bronco Mitternall, Justin Fuente left nothing for whoever his successor was going to be. Um, Brent Pry had to go out and find himself a quarterback off the transfer portal slash scrap heap. And um, he, he, he got the guy who led the Mac in interceptions last season. No surprise. He's a turnover-prone guy in the ACC. Uh, he was a turnover-prone guy at a lower level. He's going to be a turnover-prone guy at the upper level, right? Um, the offense is is not working. The defense is on the field too much. They, they've played too much. They go up too many points as a result. They've lost seven straight. They're two and eight. Um, Virginia gets to do that next year. Virginia gets to be a two and ten team next year because I'm – you're 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 probably your top two quarterbacks are playing somewhere else right now, going to school somewhere else right now. Um, Jay Wolfolk, yes, you can tell me Jay Wolfolk's in the he's the backup quarterback, he's in the system. Jay Wolfolk's career is in baseball, and it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to give up uh, a month of his baseball season next year to uh practice 15 times for the football team uh and and learn enough in that in that period of time and still go play baseball in between those games uh to uh to to become the starting quarterback and in fact it would not surprise me i'm hearing speculation on this hearing nothing authoritative from jay wolfolk or anything close to him at all but the speculation from people in the know um and i'll put those outside of those who would know but people in the know 
is that Wolfolk is is likely not a participant in spring practice next year and likely isn't a football player next year. Um, and so that and, and, and I would understand that he's the guy that was a projected top five round pick in MLB draft if he had gone straight to high school and he's only looked better. He, he had a great uh, freshman season for Brian O'Connor's team. He was a setup man. He's likely to be the closer this year. Um, the Virginia baseball team looks like it's going to be a college world series contender this year. So reality check, uh, you know, your, your quarterback is not on the roster. Keaton Thompson, we know is gone. He's, he's been in college for a long, long time. <laughs> and I thought he was going to go after this year. I thought he was an NFL prospect after this year, but he certainly, even with some drops issues this year, he's too physically imposing uh, to not play in the NFL. Um, I, at, at the least he's a, I, mean, I think he's going to get drafted, but he's at least an undrafted free agent who will impress in camp and get a job next year. He's, he's going to be a guy. Dontavian Wicks has played himself out of draft capabilities right now, uh, possibilities right now, but you know he can rehabilitate rehabilitate himself going somewhere else. Uh, and, I, and I fully expect that he will. I, I fully expect Lavelle Davis Jr. is is gone. Um, and you know, then you start speculating about other guys. Uh, you know, there are a lot of other names that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, the running back position. I mean, even Brent Armstrong theoretically has a year of eligibility left. I think I mentioned that earlier. I'd be surprised if he used it and came back to Virginia. Um, I don't think he's an NFL draft pick now, and I don't know what his thoughts are about staying in school for one more year to try to get an NFL job. Um, if he would go to the NFL, he'd be an undrafted free agent type guy. Now, we've seen guys, in fact, there's two of his predecessors from the Bronco years um, are former undrafted free agents who caught on with NFL rosters, Kurt Binkert and then uh, Bryce Perkins. Um, but both our third stringers uh, have been going back and forth between the uh, practice squad of, the, of their uh, franchises uh, and then, you know, being on the 53-man roster but not getting playing time except in preseason. Um, that they, they're, still, they're still getting paid to be part of pro football teams, but they're not playing. Um, you know, if you – Get drafted. It's different. Uh, the NFL teams don't waste draft picks on guys who aren't going to uh, make the 53-man roster. And so, you know, the, if, if I'm advising Brennan, you know, I, I'd look at that and say one more year somewhere else. Syracuse, as an example. Um, but somewhere that that you could go and, and work with uh, an actual offensive coordinator, an actual quarterback's coach who knows what they're doing. Um, you could rehabilitate yourself enough to maybe get in, into position to be a low round draft pick and thus, and thus have a job uh, in the NFL. So, th th but that said, he's not he's not coming back uh, to Virginia. There's just no way it would make no sense uh, for him uh, for lots of reasons. And um, so, you know, looking again at the defense, there's I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's guys staying and, and guys thinking about going. Um, next year's team is going to have a lot less talent uh, than this year's team, and this year's team is likely headed to a three and nine or four and eight finish. So think about that for next year, right? Well, the recruiting is not going well. Um, you know, one year of, of awful results, the start of a second year of awful results is not going to help recruiting. Uh, and if anybody thinks the transfer portal is going to help us going into next year, think about how it didn't help us going into this year. You know, the, the guys that were picked up, no offense to them. But we got guys from the places like Dartmouth and Columbia and, and Georgetown. The Georgetown guy decided not to end up coming. But those in Miami of Ohio, those are not the kind of places that guys are are, are going to come from and, and make you competitive at the upper levels of the ACC. No offense to them, but they're not going to make you they're not going to make impact uh, in the upper levels of the ACC. So if that's the case last year, after this year. And that was selling, hey, we're going to have a good season this year. After this year, you know, yeah, you can sell playing time all you want. We'll have guys playing every snap next year at every position, but are they going to be the kind of players that can win games in the Power Five? I don't think so. So then you go into year three. Now we've, you know, if, if the recruiting is not good in year one, I don't know how it gets any better in year two. If the transfer portal is not good in year one, I don't know how it gets any better in year two. How does it get better in year three? You know, we we've gone from eight and four and six and six and maybe six and six or seven and five in year three to, you know, a couple of three and nine seasons and maybe another three and nine season in year three. I I, I 
I don't know how anyone can look at this. If you're if you're Carla Williams, if you're the person in Carla Williams' office who is responsible for looking at analytics, if she has anyone in that position, looking at forecasting, you know, if and if they don't have a person in that position, they might want to think about that. But forecasting what you know based on on schedules and um, talent and how the recruiting is going for a coach in a particular sport, and then being able to project, hey, here's how we're going to here's here's our outlook, reality, right? Um, how, how, how anybody who would be, um, in that position or Carla Williams herself could, could look at this and see anything different. I, I don't, even the rose colored glasses, people can't tell me that they think anything differently about this. So I get texts, I get emails yesterday after the game, uh, from people I'd already decided I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to write a game story and it wasn't even much of a game story. It was more, uh, Stream of consciousness essay, but I, you know, I, I did a, I did one piece and I was done for the night and I started getting, I mean, even in the press box now, I will say that there were, <laughs> there were other reporters who, who, um, don't want to be associated with writing negative stories, but Hey, Chris, have you thought about this angle? Hey, what about that angle? And then, you know, the, the night goes on and I'm getting more and more, I got a phone call and, and, and it, it, it becomes clear to me. Yeah. You know, I, I need to address this, but not in the way that the folks were asking. I mean, you know, I, I guess I've got now the reputation for being the guy who's who's asked the hard questions, who's made the hard points, who's been very critical. And um, so people thought, hey, you, you know, you'll be the guy to say he should need, he needs to be fired. Um, and as analytical as I am, that ain't happening at Virginia. It's not not this year and probably not next year. Maybe not in 2024. I think it's early 2025. And let me let me explain to you why I think that. Um, I am hearing that again. This would be from people who would know, not people in the know, but people who would know that that big money donors have been making it clear to Carla Williams that if Elliot doesn't get rid of Des Kitchings, the offensive coordinator, and also Keith Gaither, the special teams coordinator, that they're not writing those big checks anymore. Now. You know, you have to weigh the truth of that, not the truth of of them saying it. You know, there's that could be bluster. It could be true. It, you know, um, it could be trying to wield influence that people really don't want to wield. Well, I just have to figure that out. But those messages have been communicated. I've been told by people who would know. Um, and if that's the case, that means Carla Williams has to have another difficult conversation with a head football coach. Last time this year, uh, people who would know indicate that she had to have a difficult conversation with Bronco Mendenhall about his defensive coordinator, uh, which did not end well because it ended with Broncos suddenly and shockingly resigning, leading to a coach search that got us to Tony Elliott. Well, she's going to have to have another one with Tony Elliott. And this isn't rare. I mean, AD having a, a conversation with a football coach who's not having success is not rare at all. Frank Beamer uh, was told in uh, you know he, people forget that in year six he, they were two eight and one at, at Virginia Tech and then year seven they went nine and three well in between all that he's told you got to get rid of some of your assistants or we're getting rid of you and um, that is often told to a coach um, especially one who's you know who was two eight and one in year six um, to basically say okay he's going to quit we wanted him gone anyway. And that's this way we don't have to fire him. He, he, he fires himself. Beamer said, hey, I'll make the changes. And he made the changes, and look what happened. They went 9-3 and three the next year. They start winning 10 games every year for a long, long time. And uh, everything happened the way it was supposed to, according to Virginia Tech fans. Um, maybe this is the case at, at Virginia. You know, Tony Elliott hired a buddy, Des Kitchings, who his other major – uh, offensive coordinator job. He was the interim offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt for you know three or four games at the end of one season before that coaching staff got fired. No problem of his. It's Vanderbilt. It was someone else's turn. <laughs> um, he was at NC State for one year, 2019, and um, didn't do well. And he was not retained by Dave Doran. And um, he got you know he was a running backs coach at South Carolina for a year, the COVID year 2020, and then 2021 he got an NFL job. He was a running backs coach with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, one year as an offensive coordinator didn't get retained and, um, and he gets a job at Virginia and it's not working out. So th this, you know, no offense to the guy. I've, I've, I like Tony Elliott. I've never met him. He seems like a very personable guy. Um, 
to me, I don't judge people on, on, um, I don't judge people at all. I hopefully don't, but I certainly don't judge whether or not they're a nice guy based on how, how affable they are in press conferences. Um, I'd, I'd love to be able I, you know, let me sit down with you when the tape recorder is not on and I'm not writing notes down and then I'll find out whether or not I think you're a nice guy. Um, don't get that opportunity too much these days. Uh, uh, you know, I get to do that with politicians. Oddly, I sit down with senators and do that and sit down with Congress people and do that, but football and basketball coaches don't like to do that anymore. Um, and that's what it is, but, um, he seems affable. He seems like a, a, a pleasant person to, to talk with after losses. He's not yelling and ranting and throwing things around. So that's something to, to throw around there, but. That said, he's not an offensive coordinator at the Power Five level, and and he, you know, just because you're affable after games, after losses, doesn't mean you should be offensive coordinator. Um, I'm just thinking, it just popped into my head. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't qualify as an offensive coordinator under that realm. I'd be very mad after a loss. I'd be throwing stuff around. Um, but uh, you know, so yeah, uh, I think Carla Williamson has to tell Elliot that uh, he needs to hire another offensive coordinator. Um. I put it in my column that she advises him to hire another offensive coordinator. I don't think she advises him to. <laughs> I think she tells him, Tony, you're hiring another offensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, the one the one out on that could be that she suggests to him that he could take over as the play caller. Um, and then maybe he could have an offensive coordinator who, I mean, I don't know, in that situation, if you're the play caller, I mean, you're the offensive coordinator. I mean, you, you don't, you know, I, I, I've, I've never understood how a guy could be the running backs coach or the offense of the uh, quarterbacks coach or something. And, uh, and, and then have an offensive coordinator over said, but the, the lesser guys calling the plays, if you're calling the plays, you've had to devise the scheme. In my opinion, to make, to I can't see how it works any, any other way. And if you've devised the scheme, you're the coordinator, you're the boss. If you've devised, if you devised the game plan that week, Based on the scheme you created in the offseason and instilled in practice, you're the you're the you're the coordinator. Um, but you know, if somebody wants a title for their resume, fine. You know, have your quarterbacks coach, have a running backs coach, have an offensive line coach, have a wide receivers coach, have a tight ends coach. I don't care. Have a you know an interior line coach, an exterior line coach, whatever the heck you want. Um, but the guy who's calling the plays is calling the plays, and Tony Elliott, he's adept at calling plays. We know that. Now, if you make a if you make your head coach effectively a coordinator and play caller, uh, that does change things a bit because your coordinator needs to be you know when when the that unit's off the field that coordinator is is you know it's it's hard for that person then to not be going over uh, what went right or what went wrong on the most recent drive and then think ahead to the next one and what tweaks we need to make. Um, or things we need to continue doing that we're doing well, uh, and then also coach the defense and special teams. And we've seen, you know, there's plenty of coaches who do that at both the college and NFL level. It's just hard. It's hard, it's a hard job. Uh, and so, you know, in that situation, you're making your defensive coordinator effectively the head coach of defense. You are the head coach of offense. You just happen to be above that person uh, on the pecking order from a salary standpoint. And, you know, you can override decisions they make, I guess. Um, but you know, uh, you're, yeah, you're, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't be every, you can't be the offensive coordinator and the head coach. You can, you can really just be one or the other, but he's, he's a good play caller. He, we won two national championships calling plays at Clemson. So, I mean, I could see that happening too, but, um, one thing she doesn't do, all this said, she's not firing Tony Elliott at the end of year one. Here's one. Okay. One UVA just doesn't do that kind of thing. This isn't UVA is not the SEC. UVA is not Auburn. If UVA was an SEC school, UVA would be Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt doesn't hire, fire a coach after one year. Vanderbilt, it's somebody else's turn every five years, but it, that's what happens there, right? Um, so UVA is not going to fire a coach because UVA doesn't do that. Two, there's the money aspect of this. I mean, Elliott was signed for over four million a year, and and you know. The buyout for that would be four million a year times the four years left on the deal, so that's sixteen million dollars. Now, yeah, you can renegotiate it. Yeah, these con- I haven't looked at his contract, but these contracts, as a standard, um, have the 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 
claws in it that you know most most of them you know if you if if your ad doesn't do this and your ad should be fired for calls anyway but you know it's it's not paid in a lump sum uh it's 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 often paid uh in a in in uh, uh either annual or quarterly payments um the the coach who's who's let go has to you know make reasonable efforts to find another job once they find another job uh the the buyout is then impacted as far as that goes for example if Elliot were to get another coordinator job, if he were to go back to Clemson, for example, and get a million dollars a year there, that's a million dollars less a year you owe him on the buyout. So there's a lot of factors. It's not, it's not $16 million, but it's 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 a lot of money. And UVA has a lot of money. You know, people will point to, hey, Chris, they got that, you know, was it a 13 or $14 billion endowment? But that's not athletics money. That's on the academic side of things. The athletics department hasn't been doing well for a long time, and that's because football hasn't been doing well for a long time. Last time we had 60,000 people in the stadium was 2008. That's a long time ago. The, the, the kids on grounds right now, the students who were between the ages of 18 and 22, were between the ages of 4 and 8 the last time Virginia had 60,000 people in the stands. Um, they don't remember any good years, the, the kids who are there now, right? And, uh, you know, the the from a from a – so you get your, your TV money is, is set, right, from the ACC. Um, the athletics budget has been growing over the years, but the academic side is subsidizing it, actually, at Virginia. When I looked inside the numbers, I mean, the, the university itself gives a couple million dollars a year to the athletics department, and the students pay, I think it's 13, somewhere between 13 and $15 million a year in activity fees. That's from the academic side. Honestly, that's... You know, so Virginia's athletics budget was about $110 million most recent fiscal year. I think it was 2021. You know, you got 15 to $17 million coming from the academic side to balance the budget. I mean, UVA athletics isn't doing great. And, um, you know, you could say, okay, well, they got donors who write big checks. You talked about the donors earlier. Well, the donors also – we're asked to to, buy, to to spend on this $80 million football facility, right? The, the the practice facility, the football operations center. It took them a little longer than they thought to get that money. The, the pandemic had a role in that. But, you know, you have to wonder, are the are the money people kind of tapped out right now? You know, uh, it's – it's J JPJ was built and opened in 2006, but Virginia had to to fund that. And then pay it off. You know, the, the the construction was funded, but then the bonds, you know, that came up afterwards. I think the construction cost was 125 to 130 million, but in the end, the whole the overall costs, including uh, you know everything inside, the sound and the lights and everything else, I've seen a number of, of, of close to 200 200 million dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money for 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 a any any uh, uh, athletics base, uh, you know, school base, whatever, university base. Then, you know, you're, you're putting more money into this football ops center. And then there's even plan. I mean, after that, um, right. As, as soon as, I mean, as this is going on, in fact, Virginia is raising money for the Olympic sports to have their own base of operations. And that's even going to be more expensive than the football ops center. So is there money? I didn't, I didn't put that in a column. I just, it just popped in my head now, but that's a lot. It's, you know, that's doubling the operations center cost. If you want to think of it that way, is there, whether it's 16 million or eight or 10 million, is there that much money and then have to hire another coach on top of that uh, in the, in the, in the budget, considering that athletics has not been doing well budget wise for a long time. I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, you know, if you had to ask me and then the third thing, and, and, and I, I call this politics. I don't mean Republican versus Democrat so much. There's a little bit of Republican versus Democrat, but more politics referring to internal workings. Um, you know, I mentioned that, uh, you know, it, those who expect Carla Williams to freewheel, just fire Tony Elliott today, tomorrow, at the end of the season, which is a couple weeks away. Um, you'd be expecting her to fire a guy she hired this time last year. It is very rare in any situation for an athletics director who hired a football coach who then has to be fired for that, af that athletics director not to be fired him or herself. The only example I can think of now, I'm, and I'm not claiming this to be exhaustive because I'm just off the top of my head, of a person who actually <laughs> hired a coach who flailed and then got to hire the next coach is down at Virginia Tech with Babcock. That's pretty rare. What you saw at Georgia Tech, where Jeff Collins was fired as the head football coach in his fourth season, 
the athletics director who, who hired him was fired at the same time. The president stepped in at Georgia Tech and fired both of them. That's like that's what happens everywhere else. When when you when you the football coach uh, turns your football program into a dumpster fire, everybody's head gets chopped off. Um, responsible for that decision, the athletics director, some top people in the athletics department, and then the football coach. It's not just the football coach. So you you're not going to get Carla to fire Tony Elliott because that decision has to be made above her head at this stage because it would have to be Jim Ryan. And I'm not sure Jim Ryan's the kind of guy. You know, Jim Ryan seems like a uh, – and I've not sat with him. I've run with him a couple of times. He's, he's a, a distance runner. I used to be a distance runner, and I ran – I did two of the runs with Jim, one at the Orange Bowl, one at the um, – before the, the day of the National Championship basketball game. Um, I love at least the, the the persona of him portrayed in the media because <laughs> again I, I've not sat down with the guy, um, but I love that he seems so enthusiastic about so many things um, regarding athletics. You know he, he he will jump in the pool after a, a swimming team wins a national championship. Um, he runs sprints with the football team. He you know he got out there a few weeks ago and and uh, led the uh, marching band. Uh, before the game, uh, for a few songs, you know, he's he's he those runs with Jimmy does. He he invites anybody in the community to run with him. It's hard to keep up with him. He's a really good runner. He's a Boston Marathon qualifier every year, but uh, he invites people to go running with him, and it's really neat that he does that. Um, but uh, so so is that kind of guy just going to fire somebody that it seems like, again, public portrayal that he and Carla Williams have a good relationship? So is he, is he just going to fire her? Um, I think well, it would the decision would have to come from above him. And there is he has he has a boss or slash bosses in the form of the Board of Visitors. His relationship with the Board of Visitors is evolving. Now, this is where Republican Democrat comes in. He was appointed what Ryan was in 2018. Uh, by a board of visitors that uh, itself was uh, report, uh, had been appointed by uh, a slew of people who were appointed themselves uh, largely by Democrats. Terry McAuliffe and uh, Ralph Northam, the two governors who preceded the current governor, Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin had his first shot at uh, appointing people to the board of visitors this summer, and he appointed four Republicans. So uh, now – there's, there's, it's a different dynamic. I mean, it's not a change dynamic. It's not, it's not a dump gym dynamic. In fact, before the uh, changes in the summertime, maybe as a salvo on their way out, the the, the board of visitors back in uh, it was like January, February, uh, extended Ryan's contract to 2028. So he's got insulation there. At least, hey, if he gets fired, he's getting paid through 2028. He gets bought out too, right? Um, but. Yeah, so I, I I don't know that I see Jim Ryan taking this on. The Board of Visitors may. The Board of Visitors has other issues too, and so does Jim Ryan, to be honest. Um, I don't know that they're going to be interested in jumping in and doing anything with a football coach. I think they looked at what happened after Bronco left as that was us dealing with the football program. And yes, the football program is hemorrhaging money. The, the the tens of thousands of empty seats every weekend. They announced the attendance yesterday at 36,000. The stadium holds 61. We've had as many as 64 in there. There were probably 25 in there yesterday, maybe 10 after halftime. Um, that's in addition to the ticket prices that you don't get the money for. There's that that's unsold concessions, unsold t-shirts and sweatshirts and hats. That's that's a lot of money. And you know, Virginia, uh, from a ticket sales standpoint, when you compare what Virginia sells in tickets overall for all the programs, but football is the primary driver, uh, to Virginia Tech, it's about a $10 million discrepancy. Yeah, you go you look at Clemson and Florida State, it's a $15 million discrepancy. You look at Louisville, it's a $20 million annual discrepancy. I mean, these monies, that's why UVA athletics has to get money from both the university itself and then also from the students in the form of those activity fees because people aren't buying tickets to football games. So this is a fiscal issue for the Board of Visitors and Jim Ryan, but they've got so many. I mean, Virginia is a huge school. I want to say the budget, including the hospital, the budget's in the billions a year, right? I mean, I'm, hopefully I'm not misquoting that. I, I, I write stories about it, and that's totally from flash memory. But there's lots of issues there. Football is not the most important thing for Jim Ryan the Board of Visitors. Um, but it would take, I think that's what it's going to take. I think it's going to take, uh, if, if Tony Elliott flails, 
it, I don't think it's going to happen until 2025 um, in terms of a decision being made about his future. But I think it, it is not made by Carla Williams because I think Carla Williams is caught up as collateral damage uh, in that decision. Uh, and I think she's gone too. So my crystal ball. The most we're going to get is I think Elliot either on his own volition, uh, firing Des Kitchings and, and, and probably Keith Gaither and then hiring a new offensive coordinator and defensive court or a special teams coordinator, excuse me. Um, John Rosinski, we'll talk about him in a second. Um, or he's going to be told to do that. Um, but he, that's, that's, that's what we're going to get. And that's not going to happen until the end of the season. Uh, I'm hearing support, and this isn't from people who would know. It's from people in Vino that there is support for Mar Marcus Higgins, who is the wide receivers coach, to be elevated to the offensive coordinator position. Let him be the play caller. He's he's within the program. He's been around since the Mike London era. He's a he played in under Al Groh, so he's he's a you know he's an alum. He played in the NFL for a few years. Uh, he's got a long tenure on the staff. He's beloved. I mean, we Jerry Ratcliffe and I had him on a podcast last summer. I left that podcast thinking that guy is is a future head coach, a future a future Power Five head coach. He could be Virginia's head coach. He should be at some point Virginia's head coach. I don't like that the wide receiver unit has been so awful this season. That you know, to me, when a unit underperforms, that's that's a reflection of their coach. Uh, but the people who um, hmm, this is still people in the know, not the people who would know. I have to think about this are trying to persuade me that Hagen's um, isn't the blame for that. That's more of the mess that Kitchings has made of the offense. So, okay, I'll buy that. You know, you, you can tell by the way I say that. I'm not sure if I buy that, but, you know, I love Hagen's. And um, so, yeah, if, if, if that ends up being the case, I think that that's a good move. G give him the shot. I'm still holding out the hope, which, is, which isn't going to happen, that Jason Beck gets called back in. But that's not going to – at this point, it's not going to happen. Um, that that's that ship sailed last December when he wasn't even offered a chance at the job. Even if this happens, even if Elliot makes these moves this offseason, I still just don't see a path to things getting turned around under Tony Elliott because the recruiting is such a mess. The transfer portal is not going to yield fruit for Virginia football. We're going to lose a lot of guys this year. We're going to get guys, we're going to get bodies back. I don't know they're going to get the kind of bodies back that need to win in the power five. I'm also afraid that. John Rosinski is the kind of guy that he had success at Air Force. He had success in one year at Virginia. If I'm his agent and I'm looking at this situation with Tony Elliott and saying it might be a couple of years, but this is a lame duck. This is a lame duck head coach. He's already a lame duck. Um, the only thing that right now, Rosinski's, you know, he, based on his success at Air Force, I think I would call his year at Virginia based on the talent he was given or lack thereof. And he's what he's turned it into success for him. If I'm another Power 5 head coach who needs a defensive coordinator or if I just want to upgrade what I've currently got, I even think SEC. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to call his agent and say, is he, would he be interested in talking with me? And I'm talking any school. I don't, I don't think, I don't think I would, would rule out anybody, top level SEC schools or anybody looking at this guy and saying, hey, this, <laughs> I want this guy on my staff. It's going to be hard to keep him at Virginia is what I'm trying to say. And he's he's been the guy and his staff and from from him and his assistants on down. They have done a incredible job turning the weak point of the team into the strong point of the team. I think he's done such a good job that he might be too good for Virginia, unfortunately. So that 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 could be another problem, whether it's next year or, or not too long down the road. So this is a big but. But if Elliott's able to retain Rosinski, if he can get the offense right under a new coordinator, Hagens somebody else but you know let's go with Hagen if he can start convincing recruits both the preps and the college transfers that he can turn UVA into a winner okay that's a big but and a lot of ifs I, I, just, I just don't see it happening and I wish you know somebody asked one of the reporters asked me yesterday because you know I've been writing so many I'm wrapping up here uh, writing so many stories on this this general topic since week two you know um, no, I don't enjoy this, you know, like I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Virginia sweatshirt. I got a basketball here. Uh, I'm an alum life is better. I, the orange bowl year beating Virginia tech that year going nine and three in the regular season, ACC championship game, 
the bowl game the year before the Belk Bowl. Um, you know, it's a lot more fun when you're when the, the team you cover, uh, the the team that represents the school that you graduated from. Uh, it's 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 a lot better when they're winning. I don't like having to be the guy that points out the 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 that the emperor is naked, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't revel in this at all, man. I can't wait to, you know. I, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon because you know if if things go the way I unfortunately expect them to, you know, the the poor recruiting of this year is going to make it so that the new coach taking over uh, full time in twenty twenty six. This is me projecting it out now, right? But that new the new full time coach taking over in twenty twenty six is going to have seniors who were recruited by Mac Sunbelt and FCS schools, so he's not going to win his first year, and he's going to have to build from scratch too. You know, we're looking four years out from twenty twenty six. Maybe it's twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty. Virginia might have a chance to start winning football games again. It's twenty twenty two, people. I'm fifty years old this year. I don't want to be fifty eight years old thinking, you know, because I, mean, I spend way too much time thinking about worrying about wishing that this team would win not so i can write about them just because i get psychic enjoyment out of the alma mater winning football games ever since i was 10 years old i've been getting this psychic value out of virginia winning games i've I, I, long before i was a student there and an alum i was i was a virginia person um yeah that's 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 kind of depressing to think about that it's that far out but i you know the the smart person inside of me tells me that's that's likely what's happening so no i'm not happy about that um, but you know, I'm not, they, they don't pay me a lot of money to make those decisions. Um, so that's, that's what it is. Thank you for indulging. That was a long talk. Um, longer than I thought it would be, but, um, go to Augusta free press, you know, for the, the latest on this topic, Virginia football in general, Virginia basketball. Hey, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday, Monday night. we got, uh, Northern Iowa coming to town. Uh, this weekend, they're heading out to Vegas. Virginia football's got Coastal Carolina on Saturday. Um, the only problem I got with that is it's a 3.30 start. I'm also a big pro wrestling fan, and I want to watch the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view. And uh, that starts at 8, so I have to hurry back from the game to host a watch party here. Well, you know, All year long, we're playing at 12 o'clock. The one time we play at 3.30 is the day of a big wrestling show. Come on, people. we got to work this out better. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. You know, I'm sure <laughs> during the great thing about YouTube, especially for those who are, are watching this on YouTube, is you've been probably sending me rude messages throughout the whole show, right? Um, but if you're, if you're, you know, I don't care, that's fine. Um, feel free to jump in if you haven't already and tell me what an idiot I am. I don't care. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, you can, uh, and if you're also on the YouTube and you want to go to the website, there's a, there'll be a post with uh, the long story and also a post with this video and, and the podcast and call me a clown there too. I don't care. Or if you actually want to engage back and forth and share some positive thoughts or critical thoughts or, you know, self, you want to join in the criticism either way. Um, love to hear from you. Uh, you can also email me at Chris at That's a, that's an easy way. And lots of people who don't like what I say, tell me uh, through that medium, <laughs> through the email medium. That's fine too. Um, but anyway, this has been fun. Um, wish it was more fun. Wish I was writing about and talking about a team that, uh, was on its way to, uh, you know, ACC championship game or something, but you know, maybe sometime before I die, that'll happen. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.